has connection to the other links around it and if itself is strong. And so last uh, couple weeks ago, right, we didn't have gather last week, but the week before, Caleb taught us about unity in the church. And so I want you to look at this chain and imagine that it represents unity within the church, right? And so from day one, each of these links, right, each of these links represents a person. And from day one, these links are taught only to look out for themselves, to do what is good for them to be doing what's good for number one, right? And so they have a hard time making the church chain look different from the rest of the world, right? So uh, at Redemption, we do messy ministry. And it's not because we like playing in the mud, but it's because when you dig into the mess, that's where Jesus works. It's where Jesus makes change in people's lives. And so the reality is that we want you to grow in your faith. The reality is that we want you to grow in your faith because that is the only way that the chain of the church grows stronger, is by individual links or individual Christians growing in their faith. And so when you think about this, it can be really easy to take a look and say, you know, there's this metal link at the very end of here, and it looks stronger than all the rest. Like, I need to be like that link, right? I need to be the strongest link in the chain. But it's actually more accurate to or healthy to look at yourself and instead of trying to be the strongest link in the chain, to instead trying to be a stronger link in the chain, right? Stop comparing yourselves to other Christians, but instead try and focus on improving from where you're at right now. So, uh, Caleb shared with us about unity in the church, and the only way we grow in our strength and unity is by growing in individuals. And again, it's not just focusing on yourself, but instead strengthening the links that are around you, helping others in your community, helping others in your church, helping others in your growth groups, helping friends at school, helping friends here at Gather to grow in their faith so that we can become a stronger chain together. Groovy? Yeah, groovy. All right, so uh, today we're going to look at the second half of Ephesians chapter 4. Caleb taught us about the first half of Ephesians chapter 4. Today we're going to look at the second half. So it's going to be up on the screen, and I'm going to read it for you now. It says this, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you have learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard the truth about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus— To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. All right, so lots of words there, and we're going to break it down together, but Paul talks about, in the very beginning of this passage, using a phrase that he says, the futility of the Gentile minds. 
So we're going to break that down. What does that mean, the futility of Gentile minds? So let's start with one piece of it. So the Gentiles, right? Does anybody know what a Gentile is? Somebody raise their hand. Tell me, what is a Gentile? JJ. Not a Jew. That's exactly right. So Gentile is a term that just refers to anyone who is not Jewish, right? And in ancient times, in Jesus' time, the way that people determine whether they're Jewish or not had less to do with whether or not they went to synagogue on Saturdays, right? It more to do with their family or their ancestry, their heritage, right? It was whether or not they were related to a guy that we hear about in the Old Testament named Abraham. How many of you guys are familiar with Abraham? Sweet. So Abraham was this guy in the Old Testament who God promised to turn his family into an entire nation of people. He promised to bless the entire earth through his family. And so whether you were related to Abraham or not determined whether you were a Jew. It determined whether you were part of those promises that God had given to Abraham. And it determined whether you were considered a child or a uh, part of the family of God. And so... In uh, Galatians, in the New Testament, Paul tells us something totally different about Gentiles, about whether, determining whether you were part of that family of Abraham or not. He says in Galatians chapter 3, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise." So Paul is saying here that when we're talking about Gentiles and Jews, it has less to do with who your family is and more to do with whether or not you follow Jesus, right? And that's a big deal because it redefines the way we think about Gentiles. No longer is being a Gentile something that has to do with someone who lacks a certain ethnicity, but instead now a Gentile is a mindset, It's a mindset that ignores God. It's incapable of recognizing who God God is. They can't see his existence, right? They don't believe in it, right? They don't value his goodness or following life after him. So the futility of Gentile minds is the incapability to recognize God, right? A great example of the futility of the Gentile minds is a group called the Pharisees. Can anybody tell me what the Pharisees are? Yeah, Sam. They were, they were the people who, were the, they called themselves the holy people, but they, were, they made up a lot of rules to prevent Yeah, so they're these big rule followers. They're these guys who think that they are the ultimate Jewish people. They're super Jewish, right? And they think that they are the best Jews of them all. And in Jesus' time, his government, his culture is established around Judaism. It's established around their religion. And so not only were the Pharisees like the most important people within their their, uh, Jewish structure of their religion, but also their political structure, right? Imagine like our president, our governors, our senators, all of them are these people who considered themselves super Christians, right? Right? But instead, these guys considered themselves super Jewish. But in reality, they were completely ignoring God. 
They just demonstrated their, their futility of Gentile minds by being unable to understand Jesus' teachings. See, Jesus taught a lot in parables when he would teach, which are stories that have these like, lessons about how, uh, things we can learn about God. He would use these stories about things we know in our daily life to help us to understand who God is. And so the Pharisees would listen to these stories and they just wouldn't be able to hear what Jesus was trying to teach them. They didn't grasp the lessons. So in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus says this about the Pharisees. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they understand. Right? Jesus is saying, the Pharisees, they look at me and they see me, but they don't recognize what they're looking at. They can hear the words that I'm saying, but they don't understand what I am saying. Right? They, they can hear and they can see, but they're not really hearing. They're not really seeing. And so the Pharisees were not really truly God followers. In fact, they were more rule followers than they were God followers. And so they demonstrate this futility of Gentile minds because they're not actually believing and following God. Instead, they're following their rules to make sure that they can do things good for themselves and benefit themselves. Now, when we look back at Ephesians, we see that it makes a lot of sense now, the things that Paul is saying about the futility of the Gentile minds. In verse 18, he says, They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. Right? Paul is talking about people who don't know God. They don't believe in God. They don't follow God. And so they don't understand. They're darkened in their understanding. They're full of ignorance because of their hardness of heart. And so because they don't understand God, they don't believe in him, which means that they're separated from him and they don't see the value of a life following Jesus. And so instead of following God with their life, they follow their desires. They're trying to hoard good things for themselves. They're trying to make lots of money, lots of friends, have lots of power and influence. They're trying to uh, hoard good feelings for themselves so that they can benefit themselves and forget everybody else, right? But as Christians, Paul reminds us in Ephesians 4 that we cannot live that way. We can't live that way as Christians. If we are really following Jesus, that way of life should be other from us, right? We all once lived that lifestyle. And in fact, you probably still sometimes do live that way. Because that's really, when we think about it, that's, that's part of what sin is. We're, we're taking our lives and we are focusing on benefiting ourselves instead of loving God and loving other people, right? And so uh, we, when we follow Jesus... The Bible tells us that we're made into new people. Paul tells us, he describes it as we are a new creation. We had the old self, but now we have the new self, which is like wearing different clothes, right? And to demonstrate what Paul means by this, I'm going to have Isaac come out, and he's going to help demonstrate what we got going on here. Let's welcome Isaac. All right, so we all know what a uniform is, right? A uniform, we have clothing that portrays a specific identity, right? So if you see someone in a spacesuit, what identity does that give them? A space and an astronaut, right? So what about if somebody's wearing a military uniform? <laughs> right, exactly right, Josh. 
All right, so if they're wearing a military uniform, they're a soldier, right? If they're wearing uh, like a marching band uniform, they're probably in a marching band, right? So like clothing, uniforms, give you a certain identity. Now, I know this is a little confusing. Isaac right now is wearing a painting coverall. And so I don't want you to think of him as a painter, but instead I want you to think of this as the old Isaac. This is his old self. Now, Isaac is at school one day. Isaac's at school one day in middle school, and he goes to lunch, right? He's sitting at lunch, and he is pulling his lunch apart. He's sitting with all his friends at the table, right? And he pulls out his favorite dish that his mom makes, and it's lasagna, right? Yeah, Yeah, so Isaac's a lasagna fan. His mom's lasagna. He's got this huge tray of lasagna in his lunch bag for today. And so he unwraps it. It's still warm. He starts to dig into it, and he's just so hungry. He's devouring it as fast as he can because he loves his mom's lasagna, right? So as he's eating, he's starting to get full, and he starts to realize that there's a kid like three people down from him who doesn't have a lunch at all. But Isaac has some food left in his lasagna tray that would be plenty for this kid to eat for lunch. But Isaac loves his mom's lasagna, right? He's looking forward to eating this as leftovers later. And so Isaac's feeling a little greedy today. He doesn't share his food, but instead keeps it to himself. And here's Isaac's greed all over the old self here. Isn't it wonderful? (laughs) So next, Isaac leaves lunch, right? And he goes back to class. He's in his worst subject. What is it, Isaac? (laughs) <laughs> no, nah, I was good at math. He was good at math. Don't doubt him, Manny. History. History. Isaac is terrible at history. And today, as he enters class, he realizes that he has a test on the American Revolution. And Isaac doesn't know anything about it. He didn't study, but he has the smartest kid in the class sitting next to him. And so the test comes around, and Isaac decides, you know what, I think that I can do my test and just kind of sneakily look over at the person next to me, copy some of their answers, and I can get myself a solid B on this test. So Isaac starts cheating on his test, right? We're throwing the cheating all over Isaac's old self. So turns out Isaac is not as sneaky as he thought he was. He got caught cheating on his test. He gets sent to the principal's office, and he realizes that he is going to get in trouble. He realizes that not only is he going to get in trouble here at school, but his parents are going to find out, and he's going to get in trouble at home. And he thinks to himself, you know what? I bet I can come up with a story that will get me out of this. I can tell a lie, and I won't get in any trouble. And so Isaac tells his lie to the principal to get out of trouble. Well, Turns out, Isaac's a pretty good liar. He gets away with it. He goes out after school with his friends to the store, and he sees on the shelf one final copy of the newest game that he wants. I don't know what game you like, Isaac. Zelda Zelda Breath of the Wild. Sure, yeah. (laughs) There's only one copy of it left. (laughs) So Isaac doesn't have any money with him. He decides to steal this video game for himself. Isaac, how could you? There's mustard in my toes. But it keeps going and going, right? There's mustard in his toes. So, yeah. It keeps going and going. Isaac keeps 
stealing, he keeps cheating, he keeps telling lies and doing things to benefit himself, but not benefiting anyone else, right? And this path keeps getting deeper and deeper. He keeps going farther and farther into his sin until one day Jesus finds Isaac and compels his heart and, Jesus, and Isaac starts following Jesus. And suddenly Isaac is given a new self. He is a new creation. He's made new. And so his Old self comes off, <laughs> and the new, hopefully clean self is put on. <laughs> now, Isaac goes to school still, right? He still does his daily things. He's used to living the way that he does. But it would be awful for him to choose to keep dirtying his new self, right? Why would he choose to take this new, beautiful self and dirty it with the way that he used to live. All right, Isaac, thank you so much. Let's give Isaac a round of applause. So there's a reality to this, that when we follow Jesus, Jesus makes us into a brand new person. He takes your soul, which was dead, and brings it back to life. He makes you a completely new creation so that you can be a new person, right? You're no longer the old self. Isaac is no longer the old Isaac, but instead he is a new creation that Jesus has made, and he is not to live the way that old Isaac lived, right? So the idea here that Paul is illustrating is that you put on new clothes, right? You're putting on a new set. You're not wearing the old clothes just like you wouldn't paint in business clothes. You wouldn't put on dress clothes to go and paint your bedroom. The same thing is true that you don't live like the rest of the world when you're a follower of Jesus. When you're a new creation, you're to be made totally new. You're to live differently, and that's really easy to say, but really hard to do, right? We all know that after we follow Jesus, it's not like we aren't tempted anymore. It's not like we just suddenly become the most selfless person in the world. But instead, we find ourselves still tempted to fall into the same traps of sin that we were before. And so the question is, how do we stop ourselves from falling into the same ways of living as we did before we started following Christ? How do we start living a new life? And it's a couple things. And Paul reminds us of this in our passage. The first thing is that we're to remember who we are. We're that a new creation, something that Jesus has made new. We're no longer our old self, but instead we are completely new. And so we're to live out or become what we already are. But the second thing is that we need to start uh, following Jesus and looking away from our sins. It's not all about trying harder to stop doing what you shouldn't do, but instead it's more about trying to do what you should do, right? Stop focusing on sin and instead focus on following Jesus. Now, how many of you have ever watched the Animal Planet or Discovery Channel? Yeah? All right, so if you've ever seen one of these shows on Animal Planet before, you know that when you see one of these safari shows, right, you have predators tracking their prey and attacking them. So I want you to imagine with me, you're watching a show where you're watching a lion track a zebra, right? And this lion, you see the camera behind the lion slowly stalking through the tall grass, right? 
And suddenly, from through the grass, you can see from the camera behind the or in front of the lion, off in the distance is this zebra just grazing, right? And the camera pans over, and you're looking at the zebra, and it's just grazing in the grass. It's drinking some water, totally unaware of the lion's presence. It doesn't recognize that it's there at all. And so the camera backs up. You see this wide frame shot of the zebra on one end and the lions on the other, and the lion pounces out of its hiding spot. And it starts running after the zebra as fast as it can, trying to catch it so it can take it down and kill it and eat it, right? But the zebra, what does it do? It runs as far as it can in the opposite direction. The zebra does not stare at the lion and try to run backwards. The zebra doesn't even try and run in the opposite direction looking behind it. It is staring in the complete opposite direction of the lion, trying to get away from it, putting as much separation between himself and the lion because that's the only way that he's going to survive. And the reality is that that is true for us in our following Jesus. So often, we get focused on staring at our sin, that when it attacks us, right, when our sin comes after us, we find ourselves staring at it, get away from me, right? We're trying to run backwards, when in reality, we should stop staring at our sin and start looking at Jesus, running towards Jesus as fast as we can, putting as much separation between our sin and us as we can, because if we're staring at the sin, all we're going to do is get caught up by it. But if we look at Jesus, we're going to get closer to him and farther from our sin. So in this second half of our passage today, Paul gives some practical tips, things that we can do to live out being a new creation. Take a look with me on the screen. We'll be in verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. In short terms, Paul is not just saying, hey, here's all the things you shouldn't do. But instead, he's saying, don't do these things, but instead do this. It's not just focus on, hey, you shouldn't do these things and stare at those things that you shouldn't do, but it's instead, tell the truth. Be angry about things that are wrong. Work hard and be generous. Use your words to build up other people. Have kindness and forgiveness that you show to other people, right? He's giving advice about things that you should be doing to live like Jesus, to follow Jesus, to be that new creation instead of focusing on the things that we should be avoiding, So as we finish up here, as we think about this uh, lesson that Paul teaches us in Ephesians 4, I want you guys to think about one thing. What is the one thing that you can do this week to live like the new creation you are? What is the one thing you can do this week to live like the new creation you are? 
to be more like Jesus and less like the rest of the world. And again, it's not something that you should avoid doing, but instead something that you should be doing. Find something that you should be doing to live like the new creation you are. So literally, I want you guys to take like 15 seconds and think to yourself, what is one thing that I can do this week? So take a few seconds. Now, the challenge for you guys, you've identified something that you can do. You've told somebody about what it is. Now the challenge is don't just make those words that you've said, but actually go and do it, right? Because that's where faith transformation happens. That's where your faith in Jesus makes a difference in your life. It's not when you learn more about the Bible. It's not when you sit and gather every week. It's instead when you go out and you live your faith, when you actually do the things that following Jesus means. So my challenge is to you, go do those things. Don't just make it something you said here, but actually do it. Let me pray and ask Jesus for his help. God, we thank you for the opportunity to learn from your word this evening. As we spend time this next week uh, with family, with friends, celebrating Thanksgiving and the things that we're thankful for, Lord, I pray that you would be working in our hearts that you would give us the motivation to be able to go and do the things that you're teaching us, the things that you're working in our hearts to help us to change and be more like the new creation that you made us to be, the creation that represents you in righteousness and holiness, that looks more like you than the rest of the world. So, Lord, as we go out and do that, Lord, I pray for every student in this room, I pray for every leader in this room and myself, that you would give us motivation through your Holy Spirit, to go and do those things. Don't just make us people who say that we're Christians, but instead people who actually follow you. Help us with that, Jesus. Amen.